0: Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with the man himself, Bill Alexander. Bill, we've made it to the end of April. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine, Jason. I hope you are. I'm doing excellent, Bill. Looking forward to the show here. What's What's new with you? Can you give us a life update? A uh, oh,
1: life update? No, I mean, same old, same old. I mean, grandparents now, and that's, that's a good thing, but... Uh, 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 last weekend, uh, we uh, hosted a a uh, statewide conference in Black Mountain, so we were up near Asheville, and and that was a, a wonderful retreat. Quite frankly, um, there were a lot of folks there, and and it was uh, pleasant to get together with people again. You know, this uh, I can't say post COVID, but uh, post post fear of COVID, I guess would be a, a, a way to put it so it was actually a real pleasant experience to see uh, to get together uh, with a group of people that I enjoy being with so that 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 was good and of course uh, now we're turning the corner into May which of course for many of us is uh, our favorite month of the year uh, uh, simply because uh, the weather is generally well extraordinarily pleasant not too hot, not too cold, just right. <laughs> so anyway, uh, uh, it, but otherwise, uh, things things are good. Now, now uh, this morning, uh, I wanted to focus on an asset that most of us have, uh, and it's become an extraordinarily important asset. Uh, uh, and one that can be difficult. You know, we talk about asset protection, uh, and um, there are some assets that are difficult to protect. Other assets can be pretty easy to protect. Um, now, people might think that I'm talking about the home but no, I'm I'm not. Um, it, frankly, uh, in times past, uh, for most people, uh, the home was the uh, most important asset that that people had, and it was the the largest asset that that people had in years past. But today, it's pretty rare for the house to actually be. Uh, the largest asset. Um, So now people might think, aha, I know what he's talking about now. I'm actually talking about retirement accounts, uh, because uh, retirement accounts are extraordinarily important today uh, to give us the ability to retire. So and, it, and I'm talking about all retirement accounts. I mean, and there are lots of different kinds because, uh, you know, you can have um, an employer-type account, like a 401k or a 403b or a 457 plan or a federal thrift savings plan. Um, it, those are all ERISA plans. And then you also have uh, individual retirement accounts, IRAs. Uh, and different types of uh, IRAs, you know, uh, self-employment um, uh, retirement accounts uh, and, and other types of simple retirement accounts. I mean, there are tons of them is what it boils down to. But the bottom line is, uh, in, in each event, we typically um, invest in this account. Sometimes the employers match a certain percentage. And it allows us to build up an account which uh, is pre-tax. In other words, we like to do it because we don't get, we don't have to pay income tax on what we put aside in those retirement accounts. Um, but we also know that when we uh, it grows income tax-free, so which allows it to grow faster than our normal investment account. Um, but but the bad news is is that um, uh, when we pull the money out for retirement or other purposes, um, and, of course, there are restrictions uh, and rules in terms of when and how you pull the money out, but the bottom line is when you pull the money out, uh, you have to pay ordinary income tax. Um, and for those folks who don't know what ordinary means, it's it's like earned income, uh, like from uh, when when you were working, you know those kinds of things. It's not a capital gains tax. Uh, it's basically, I mean, it's just called ordinary income. So, uh, and and so you're you're generally paying at whatever tax bracket you're in. So the the bottom line is, uh, retirement accounts um, can be confusing uh, in terms of how to actually utilize them so what I wanted to do was to spend some time this morning uh, talking about um, retirement accounts and how to utilize them in some of the best ways possible um, to, to take the greatest advantage out of the retirement accounts that you've worked so hard to create uh, over your lifetime so that's that's what I want to talk about
0: well, we've got some time here, Bill. So let's let's get right into it. Where should we start? Well, uh,
1: let's uh, start with a little um, history. To, to we don't have to go back too many years to where um, uh, folks know that we have um, there are some rules that come with retirement accounts uh, and. The, bo- the first rule is, with, with some very for few exceptions, uh, you basically can't take money out of a retirement account investment uh, without a penalty uh, until you're 59 and a half. And so that, um, you, you know, in other words, it's an incentive to keep the money for retirement, not pull it out for something else. <laughs> so that's that's important. Uh, and then there's a period of of years um, where you know, we can pull it out without a penalty, pay the ordinary income tax, but um, we but we don't have to pull anything out. Okay, and under the old rule. Uh, we had to start taking money out, uh, called required minimum distributions, uh, when we turned 70 and a half. In other words, the year in which we turned 70 and a half was the year we had to start taking withdrawals uh, based upon our age. In other words, there, um, each year we'd have to take a little more by percentage, and uh, the required minimum distribution – is based upon um, how much you have in your account on December 31st of the previous year. So, in other words, to determine uh, my if I have a required distribution, uh, then I look at my age, um, and uh, what was in my retirement account, uh, and if I'm looking for my required distribution this year, 2023 then I look at the amount of money in the account on December 31st of 2022. And while that is important for folks, and then it's like, okay, how old am I going to be this year uh, in 2023? And uh, for good or bad, for me, that's 72. (laughs) So there's a percentage. Now, actually, I don't have... Um, a required distribution this year because they moved the age from 70 and a half to 72. But then, guess what? Last year, they changed it again to 73. So my first required distribution won't be this year. It'll be next year. And for younger folks, there's a transition period now for, I believe, the next seven years to where um, the required minimum distribution age is changing to age 75. So um, in, in other words, for younger folks, they won't have required distributions till they turn 75. Okay, but see, that's the easy part about retirement accounts. The hard part is, when should I really start taking, How you know, when should I start withdrawing from my retirement account, Uh, and, um, you know, what's the best way to utilize my retirement account? So, um, and some of the good ways that we used to have, particularly when we passed it down to our children, um, is not available to us anymore. So we'll talk about that, too.
0: Wonderful. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, go to WGALaw.com. That's Bill's website. From there, you can, again, schedule some time to speak with him. You can find information about Bill's free webinars if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning or if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance this is a wonderful free opportunity for you. Bill does two webinars the second Wednesday of every month. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, May 10th. The morning session will deal with long-term care assistance. This uh, deals with Medicaid, VA benefits and other forms of assistance that may be available to you if you or a loved one are dealing with a long-term care crisis. The afternoon webinar deals with asset protection and trust planning. Go to WGALaw.com to register to attend. It's free to do so. There's absolutely no cost to you, and it's a wonderful opportunity for you to learn more from Bill. WGALaw.com is the place to go. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be back with more. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com to learn more about Bill. Find out more about his webinars as well. Law.com. Click on the Seminars button at the top of the page if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance or asset protection and trust planning. WGALaw.com. I'm Jason Kong. He is Attorney Bill Alexander. and. Right now we're talking about retirement accounts which is often our largest asset bill and we've sort of gone over the how and now we're going to I guess get into a discussion of the when when it comes to distributions from our retirement accounts.
1: Well e- exactly uh, and the you know part of asset protection quite frankly is guess what people don't like paying taxes. And I mean taxes of any sort, but here we're talking primarily about income tax. Now we also should fall, you know, uh, put into the conversation that for folks who have very large retirement accounts and very large estates, where they might have a taxable estate then you also have to understand that retirement accounts can be um, uh, you know, uh, not as valuable as people think. And of course, um, keep in mind that the estate tax exemption is coming down in three years. And in, in 2026, we're not going to have these ultra-high estate tax exemptions anymore the exemption's coming down to a little over $6 million. Uh, now, that's a lot of money, and most of us don't have an estate that large, but there's actually a good number of folks out there who are likely to have estates that are higher than that. So uh, this is a warning for those folks because uh, it, it, the fact is, is those, most people who have a large estate also have a large retirement account and and that's where the bugaboo is for those folks. Um, and, and why is that a bugaboo? Well, it's like this. Let's say that you have uh, an eight million dollar estate and the and let's just assume that the exemption is six million dollars. so you're two million over the exemption. Well, the estate tax when it comes back will be fifty five percent. So you're talking about taxation just on the estate tax side of over a million dollars, 55 percent of two million dollars, right? Okay, so and let's just for, for whatever it is, say four million of it is in retirement accounts. All right? So uh, the, here's where the rub is. You don't get any kind of credit uh, or deduction for income tax that's owed from a retirement account on your estate tax. And you don't get any kind of credit or deduction on your income tax for estate tax paid on that asset, right? So guess what? So to the degree that your $2 million overage is all retirement account. And you have to uh, basically liquidate uh, your retirement account or part of your retirement account to pay those taxes. The bottom line is is that you're only getting about fifteen cents on the dollar because you're having to pay, you know, the fifty five percent of that two million dollars uh, for estate tax and. More than likely, you're going to be at the highest tax rate of which will be 39.6 plus another uh, uh, 3.99 by then for North Carolina tax. So, um, so uh, and you're being taxed on the same dollars. Uh, you're not, like I said, there's no credit or uh, or deduction for either one. So, and I don't mean to confuse folks, and I probably already have. But but the bottom line is the point is if you have a taxable estate and you're paying income tax because you have uh, retirement accounts in order to pay the the taxes, you get very little money out of out of those dollars um, to pay the tax. And so it's like, okay, what are we going to do? Uh, and and there are a lot of other factors involved in terms of uh, how it works but the to go back uh, most of us you know who don't have those kind of problems i was just talking about um, you know we we typically leave our retirement account to our spouse who uses it during his or her lifetime and then it normally rolls over to the children and you know in in the past Children and grandchildren who inherit an IRA could do what we call a stretch. Uh, Now, a stretch IRA, people have heard of that, is not a product. Uh, It's really a process of how you take your uh, IRA um, inheritance, if you will, And to stretch basically meant that each year you would take your required minimum distribution. Now, when a child or grandchild inherits an IRA, uh, they're not under the rule that they don't have to take uh, distributions until they turn 70 and a half. When when, uh, folks like that inherit an IRA, they actually have required distributions every year um, uh, with, with a couple little exceptions in there. But the bottom line is that's what we call a stretch IRA. So here you are, a 25-year-old, and you've inherited $100,000 in an IRA. Uh, you would have a required distribution each year based on your young age. So because you're young, you'd have very little uh, tax to pay, but you would have to take some amount. And so, because an IRA grows income tax free, the trick was take as little, you know, as possible, take your required amount, leave the rest in there to grow, grow, grow. And then the next year you would take the required distribution, and the next year you would take the required distribution. So, that was a really nice way to take distributions over many, many, many years. Now, obviously, if you needed more money, you could take it, but you'd have to pay the income tax. But to the degree you were trying to maximize what you could do, that's what you would do. So there were a lot of folks with nice, large IRAs that actually uh, uh, wanted to set up a process for stretching Uh, the IRA over a lifetime of a child or grandchild. Now, guess what? You can't do that anymore, or at least with some exceptions you can, and I'm going to go over those. But the fact is, is what intervened was a new federal law called the SECURE Act. Now we have the SECURE Act I and the SECURE Act II, but guess what? Congress wanted their money faster than what we were giving it to them. So uh, the Secure Act, uh, with some exceptions, abolished the stretch because the Secure Act, for most of us, most of your children and grandchildren, must pay, must distribute and pay the income tax on every penny within 10 years. Of your death, or if or if it goes to your spouse, and your, then at your spouse's death within ten years of that last death between you and your spouse, and now when you when you look at that, it says okay, is that ten tax years? And the answer is no. In most cases, you, you really have eleven tax years to take it, which helps a little bit, not much. But it's t- you have 10 years from the date of your death or your spouse's death, whoever dies last, uh, for the child or grandchild who inherits it. Now, there's some exceptions, and those exceptions are important. So I know we need to take a break, but I'll, I'll go over those. And then I want to talk about uh, some of the best ways to actually take retirement distributions. <laughs>
0: We will go over those. If you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, go to Law.com. If you want to attend one of Bill's free webinars, go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. This is your chance to learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, Medicaid myths, really understanding the sea of misinformation and half-truths that are out there. Bill does a wonderful job of explaining to you exactly how Medicaid works and how you may be able to get assistance when it comes to long-term care and affording long-term care. Go to WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. You can also call the office. The phone number is 919-256-7000, 919 919-256. 256 7,000 a quick break and back with more this is asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we'll be right back Listening to Asset Protection today with attorney Bill Alexander. Learn more about Bill at WGA Law.com. WGALAw.com is also where you can go to register for Bill's free webinars. Learn more about asset protection and trust planning as well as long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page to learn more. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, and we're talking about retirement accounts, which is often our largest asset. And Bill, when it comes to distributions, there's a, a careful dance we have to do to make sure that we're not penalizing ourselves in the form of income tax.
1: Exactly. All right. So, uh, what are the exceptions to the 10 year distribution rule? Well, the first exception is important: is your spouse. So, uh, upon your death, you, if your spouse receives your retirement account, uh, the rules are exactly the same as they have been uh, forever, and that is that your spouse can roll it over to their own IRA. Uh, or, or, but the bottom line is is that they they don't have the ten year rule. Uh, they have a rule that's based on their life expectancy. And so those rules have not changed. Uh, Another exception that uh, is a delayed exception, if you will, is uh, if your uh, uh, retirement account is inherited by a minor child or grandchild. So uh, for instance, let's say that you leave $100,000 to your grandchild who is 10 years old. Well, you know, obviously a 10-year-old is a minor child, and so the rule is is that they don't have to take distributions until they reach the age of majority, which, okay, so what's the age of majority?
0: Would that be 18?
1: It is. It's 18. So, uh, and there's a a little exception to that rule as well. So it's like, when does the 10-year rule begin? Well, for, uh, let's say, for a person who's not in uh, college uh, or uh, the like, then it would be on their, the 10-year rule would start on their 18th birthday. Uh, But there's an exception uh, for, so uh, if a person is in a specified course of education, uh, then uh, they can... uh, uh, not be under the ten year rule, but until they finish that course of education. However, they can't stay in school forever. the The exception ends when they turn twenty six, even if they're still in school until they're thirty. it It basically uh, gives uh, folks who are in school a little more leverage on, on the ten year rule., uh, so that's helpful. But, so folks need to know at least that there's an exception if, if somebody's in a, a normal course of study, full time, all that good stuff, so that the 10-year rule doesn't apply to them. But of course, let's say if somebody is in a full-time uh, situation and then drops out uh, or uh, reduces their time or whatever and they don't meet the test anymore, then their 10-year rule attaches right then and there. Um, so what are the other exceptions? Well, a disabled or chronically ill person who inherits an IRA, uh, whether they're young or old, um, they don't have the tenure rule. And uh, a trust for the benefit of a person who is uh, disabled or chronically uh, ill. Now, they still have required distributions, but it's 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 under the what we all call the old stretch rules you know in other words they don't have the 10 year rule but they still have required distributions each year um and that's important uh for folks to know and of course this, um uh so uh, those are the exceptions to the 10 year rules and actually i think there's one or two other exceptions as well but those are the major exceptions uh, that it uh, that makes a difference on that. Okay, so um, do we have time to move on? Okay? Well, uh, one of the things that I think is really important in terms of tax uh, and financial planning uh, has to do with social security elections and as how that relates to your retirement account. Well, the the biggest mistake that most people make, uh, and now there are exceptions to that. That the that most people make is taking Social Security early, taking it at age sixty-two, and this is true whether you're uh, the uh, breadwinner for the family or whether you're the spouse. Uh, either way, you know, pay, taking it early uh, results in a lifetime penalty so that you're going to receive less than what your account would otherwise uh, show. Uh, and there are lots and lots of folks out there who said, oh, Social Security is going to go away. I better get it, get it while I can. I'm going to take it at 62. And I would just tell you that those folks are making the worst financial mistake in their lifetime. There are reasons for taking it early. Uh, and of co- what are those two reasons? The two reasons that folks should consider taking Social security early uh, would be number one, you have no money and you're starving. <laughs> okay, But you have this account that from which you can pull money. Uh, and um, so that that's a reason for taking Social Security early. as in of course, sixty two is the earliest you can take unless uh, you're the widow or widower. Uh, of a deceased worker who has an account. Uh, then you can take um, Social Security at age 60. But whether you should or not, again, depends on other circumstances. And a lot of it depends on um, you know whether you're married, whether you're single, uh, whether you have more than one account from which you can draw on and which accounts you should draw on and the like. But what's the other reason that you might take Social Security early? Because you have some dreaded disease and your life expectancy is shorter than a normal life expectancy. Because quite frankly, uh, whenever you take Social Security, it's uh, how to maximize it, it is a gamble based on when you die and the good news is we have no clue when we're going to die but you know if if you are suffering from certain dreaded uh conditions um you know which would include you know heart failure serious cancers i, I think every cancer is serious but some are worse than others depending you know what i'm saying um Uh, you know type 1 diabetes is another indicator you know obviously if you have bad habits like smoking uh, uh, and other bad habits that's not the only one (laughs) but you know a bad lifestyle let's just put it that way and we know who we are (laughs) so uh, but those folks uh, might take early but whether they should take as early as 62 or not might depend upon their retirement account okay so let's go to a normal person you know good lifestyle you eat right you get exercise you're not aware of any anything bad going on with your health um, other than we're getting a little older um, well, the fact is, is that m- most of us, um, if we're in good health when we turn 65, our life expectancy table set, tells us that most of us will live into our mid to late 80s. Uh, and of course, you can look at family history too. But And if that's the case, delaying to, to p- potentially age 70 uh, which is the last age. In other words, everyone should take by age 70. And the fact is, is that folks in good health who don't uh, actually need the money to live on should, in fact, delay till age 70. So what is, I, I mean, here's where where I want to talk about retirement accounts because, all right, let's say you have a $500,000 retirement account, but you're thinking, Well, I'm in good health, life is good, but should I go ahead and take Social Security at 65 when I have to go on Medicare? Should I wait to my full retirement age of 67, or should I wait until age 70? Well, if you run the numbers, and you can always get help to do this, but typically, for, for the great majority of folks, the best way to go is to draw from your retirement account. Now, I'm assuming you're already retired. You know, you've decided to retire. But the, so the question is, do I take Social Security or do I take money out of my retirement account to live on um, and, and, and draw Social Security later? Well, the numbers tell you you're better off taking out of your retirement account and delaying your Social Security Because every year you delay your Social Security, you get an automatic increase of 8%. Now, you ask your financial advisor if they can guarantee you 8% per year every year. And there's not a one out there that can do that because that's not going to happen. So (laughs) the point is that that's a pretty good deal from Social Security for delaying if, if you're in good health. Um, And you have a retirement account you can draw from uh, to, to do that. So the numbers work in many different ways. Number one, while you're doing that, you're drawing down your retirement account. So guess what that means? It means when you have to start taking required minimum distributions, you're going to have less of a required distribution. And that's helpful on your income taxes as well. So uh, that's just something to think about. Now, I've got a couple other ideas that I want to share with you this morning that I think uh, you might be interested in.
0: Wonderful. We will get to those. Don't forget, go to WGALaw.com to register for Bill's free webinars. The next set of webinars is happening on Wednesday, May 10th. Learn more about long-term care assistance, Medicaid, VA benefits, and other forms of financial assistance that may be available to you if you're dealing with a long-term care crisis. You can also learn more about asset protection and trust planning. There's no cost to attend. It's free to do so, just a wonderful educational opportunity for you, and you can enjoy it from the comfort of your own home. Go to wgalaw.com, click on the seminars button at the top of the page we're taking a quick break but we'll be right back this is asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we'll be back after this Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Wgalaw.com is where you can go if you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill. Maybe you have some documents you'd like to have set up or have your documents reviewed. Go to Wgalaw.com to schedule some time to speak with Bill. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. We're talking about retirement accounts and Bill, we're also discussing Social Security at the moment right now. Well, there are
1: some of the things that I like to know from my clients so I can give them advice. I I want to see their latest tax return. I want to find out uh, what their income is for each spouse. And I also want to know uh, if either spouse dies, what the other spouse will have as income. You know, a lot of folks haven't thought about it, but to me that is a critical thing for folks to know about and to plan for uh, in terms of knowing if my spouse dies, how much income will I have from month to month? Um, and I want to f- see, uh, here's, the, here's the reason why, and a lot of folks don't realize this. Uh, more often than not, a surviving spouse will be in a higher tax bracket than when the married couple was filing jointly um, as, as a married couple. Uh, it's not unusual at all for, um, uh, for the surviving spouse to be pushed from a 12% tax bracket to a 22% tax bracket. And it's like, well, how do you like paying 10% more of income tax? Well, are there ways that you can reduce that possibility? Well, you have to understand that typically, guess who inherits the retirement account? The spouse. And guess what? The required minimum distributions are typically just as high or higher than they were the year before. Uh, it, now that's not always true if the spouse is younger, uh, if you're lucky enough. <laughs> you know, so, but but the uh, fact is that oftentimes the spouse is in a higher tax bracket. And so one of the things that I like to do is uh, while folks are married is to look, and see how much room is in the the tax bracket they're in, because oftentimes with the, uh, the you know standard deduction and all that, oftentimes um, uh, families will be in a twelve percent tax bracket, and but they're paying very little tax. And what I mean by that is the fact that uh, they may have no taxable income because of the standard deduction, or very little. You know, maybe they only have twenty thousand dollars of taxable income, but there's 60 or seventy thousand dollars of room inside that tax bracket before they get pushed into a higher tax bracket. Well, that's an opportunity to take those ad- that additional money inside that tax bracket out of your retirement account at 12%. Well, guess what? You're not ever gonna be lower than 12%. If your children, now one thing to look at is what tax bracket are my children in? Because guess what? More at times than not, they're in a higher tax bracket than you are. After you've retired, now that's not true for everybody, but it's a factor. So what are my uh, so would you rather pay twelve percent or would you rather have your surviving spouse pay twenty two percent? or would you rather have your uh, children who inherit pay thirty two percent? So you know it's the kind of thing where if you really want to pay less tax, this is the opportunity because typically your financial advisors and your CPA, are not telling you to take more out of your retirement account. But for me, this is no-brainer kind of stuff where you take out your retirement account at the lowest potential tax bracket. And the other thing for folks to understand, too, is the next three years are the time to do it the most because why? Tax brackets are going up in 2026. So if you're in a 12% tax bracket now, you'll be in a 15% tax bracket in 2026. And and so taking it out at the lowest possible tax rate is no-brainer kinds of stuff, and nobody seems to be looking at that, and it's frustrating. Now, another thing I've talked about for those folks who – uh, give a substantial amount uh, to their church or to charities, it, out of, you know, once you're 70 and a half, um, you can do qualified charitable donations, QCDs. Now, that's real easy. All you got to do is tell your uh, retirement account custodian to write a check to the church or the charity. Uh, and, and, you know, there are lots of folks who tithe and, and make large contributions. And wouldn't you rather make the contribution from uh, money that you've never paid income tax on than paying, you know, making your, because you don't get charitable deductions anymore unless you itemize. Okay. So is there another time that you should be taking more out of your retirement account? Yes. A lot of seniors have l- large medical expenses. And so yes, those medical expenses more to often than not, should be paid from your retirement account and you're saying but but but, but, I don't want to pay income tax. Well, guess what? If you have large medical expenses, you also have a large medical deduction on your itemized income tax. and if you're paying $75,000 for uh, long-term care expenses that are unreimbursed, That's a huge deduction, so you're not going to pay much of any income tax from the retirement account that you're using for uh, those expenses. Um, Now, I know I have to wind up, and another way, and I'm just going to mention this because I'm going to have to come back to it next week, is uh, a charitable remainder trust can be used for your children or grandchildren a substitute for a stretch IRA. And, you know, sometimes that's really important to folks because of, of um, the fact that we have a child that's a spendthrift or a child that just spends too much money and you and you don't want them to get in trouble by taking out too much. Well, a charitable remainder trust is actually a way that you can Give to charity, but also create a stretch IRA for your child or grandchild.
0: That's a tool that we're going to have to explore more into. Don't forget, if you want to schedule some time to speak with Bill, maybe you would like to have him review your situation. You know, part of asset protection is trying to minimize these tax hits. Schedule some time to speak with Bill. Go to WGALaw.com to do that. And you can also register for Bill's free webinars as well. Wga WGALaw.com com is the place to go. A quick break and back with more. This is asset protection today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we'll be right back. This is Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. We're going to have to dive into charitable remainder trust next week. We hope you will join us for that. Don't forget, you can go to WGALaw.com to register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, May 10th. Learn more about Medicaid, VA benefits, and long-term care assistance, as well as asset protection and trust planning at WGALaw.com. Click on the seminars button at the top of the page. Call the office at 919 256 7,000, 919 256 That's your homework. Learn more about Bill at WGALaw.com and then be sure to join us again next weekend. On behalf of Bill Alexander, I'm Jason Kong. Thanking you so much for listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.